Hello and welcome to Eldritch Girl Weird Gothic Stuff and Nonsense with me, C.M. Rosens. We're going to be continuing the serialisation of my first published novel, The Crows. Content warnings are to follow. The theme tune is by Gemma Cartmill. The illustrations in the books are by Tom Brown. You can buy the books either direct from me from my Kofi shop, uh, or you can buy them from any ebook online retailer and the paperback currently from Amazon only. If you do want to buy me a coffee instead of buying the book, you can do that via my Kofi, which is www.kofi.com, so that's ko-fi.com forward slash cmrosens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back. This is chapter six, part two. Um, content warnings for this chapter um, are mainly, it's it's mainly, uh, yeah, again, kind of uh, violence, gore, supernatural horror type stuff. Um, nothing really specific and it all just follows on from part one. So if you're okay with that, hopefully you'll be all right with this. Um I'm going to reprise a few seconds of the end of part one just to orientate ourselves into what's going on. Um, obviously, there's body horror as well, sorry, in strong language. I mean, all of that kind of goes without saying. If you've stuck with it for six and a bit chapters, I think you kind of know what to expect by now, but I don't want to assume. So, um, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, lovely to have you still on board and uh, hope you enjoy the second part of chapter six. Your Fairwood. The man looked back through the trees in the direction of the house, a faraway glaze in his brilliant grey eyes. Yes. She knew the face. It was the same as the last colour plate in the history of Fairwood House, Sir John Douglas Sauvant, who had spent his final days addled with whisky and tertiary syphilis. That's where being handsome gets you. Her mind whirled, body shivering out of her control. A small first aid recollection piped up in the back of her mind. We're going into shock. She tried to warm up her arms, rubbing them ineffectually, forcing herself to breathe in and out in a set rhythm, but kept losing count. All right there, neighbour. Ricky Porter, who had stayed a safe distance away, approached the garden wall at a casual swagger. His hoodie and grubby tracksuit bottoms had taken the brunt of the arterial spray, but that didn't seem to bother him. He regarded her with a cocky leer, features masked in shifting shadows. In the centre of his pupils, two cherry-red dots burned. She could have sworn she was making it up, but then she could be dreaming it all. He cracked his knuckles, the popping sound they made, making her queasiness worse. Cool, that worked out even better than I expected, not going to lie. What? What just happened? Carrie pointed back at the dead woman on the ground. I know her. I've met her. She she was at the History Society. She glared at him. Why were you in the tunnel? You are spying on me. I saw you in the trees watching the house. Wasn't breaking the law, Ricky said immediately, signet rings gleaming as he rubbed his shaved head. And I knew where you'd be if you got into trouble. Just went straight there. Think that earns me brownie points, don't it? 
How do you know? Carrie didn't wait for a reply and turned to the giant, silent as an empty room. And you, you, she trailed off. Fairward watched her with its usual patience. Her neighbour licked his lips and sidled up to her, keeping an eye on the hulking statue. He moved like a boxer, chest up and limber, but as she glanced down at him she realised he was shorter than she was. She shook her head in flat denial. This is mad. I'm seeing things. Oh my God, this is lucid dreaming. Or, this isn't real. I'm not well. I've, I've eaten something or drunk something. It's real, all right. Ricky peered at Mrs Varney's body. Good job your dreams weren't all marshmallows and unicorns or you'd be in deep shit right about now. She stared at him, growing cold. My dreams? I got good hearing, Ricky said. Though as wishes go, that was pretty bloody vague. Glad I set the stones up now. Mr Porter, Carrie said, breathing hard through her nose, her voice tight and quiet. If you don't tell me what's going on, right the fuck now, I'm going to... She gulped a breath. Ha <laughs> ha! He burst out laughing loud and hard. You'll do what? He took a step back. Come on in, since you've crossed the boundary line. Carrie turned to look at the white pebbles on the grass behind her. Some of them seemed to have marks scratched on their surface, but that could be a trick of the light, and she was seeing patterns that weren't there. She didn't trust her own eyes. What are those? Wishing stones. Tell you inside, come on. Ricky pushed the broken gate and beckoned them in, but she didn't move. Are you all right? the avatar of her house asked. No! She turned back to the corpse. What the fuck is that? That's a werewolf, Ricky put in, as if that were obvious. They don't always need a full moon if they're in the mood for fun and games. Carrie's trembling knees gave out. She sank to the ground with a small moan, only now aware of the nettle rash burning her arms. Oh my God! If it wasn't for the pain, which was very real, she would have been completely convinced this was all some kind of horrific nightmare. As it was, she was only half convinced. It was all so bizarre that she laughed. She couldn't help it. It was involuntary, rising out of her churning stomach like bile. Bloody hell. Ricky pulled his hood up as if he meant business and heaved Carrie to her feet. Come on, love, let's get you a cup of tea. He nodded at Carrie's phone, lying on the grass a few yards away. She'll be wanting that. Don't drink the tea. Sheila's warning returned like a sucker punch. No tea, I'm fine. She let him lead her through the gate, tripping over the cable of a broken fridge. Ricky kicked a tin can out of the way. Give over, I'm not going to poison you. Forgive the mess, we're all of a dishabble, as they used to say. Mum and Dad don't do visitors. I don't want to be any trouble, Carrie said automatically, bravado wearing off as her laughter subsided, but Ricky scoffed. Too late for that. The interior of Bramble Cottage was as bleak as its exterior. Carrie wasn't sure what she had been expecting, but the stink of damp and mould, mingled with a cloying stench of rotting meat, hit her full in the face as soon as she stepped through the door. She clamped her hand to her nose. I'm going to be sick. No, you ain't. Breathe through your nose nice and deep. It gets better. Ricky pushed her fully inside and sat her in a sagging armchair near the broken window, his mother's sewing chair, he said, and went around lighting the lamps. The apparition of Sir Douglas Sauvant, a bad statue of angles and lines in an approximation of a human shape, 
ducked through the door, and Ricky stayed at least three feet away from it as if it gave off a repelling aura. Dull, flickering light twisted the remaining darkness into uncanny shapes around them. The furniture was sparse, but the place was tidy, without a single thing to suggest that anyone lived there. Carrie thought she saw something uncurl beneath the hood at the back of Ricky's head, but it could have been a trick of the pale flames. Right. She dug her nails into the greasy arms of the chair, staring from him to the bulky protector of her dreams. A house within a house. Her head swam. What's going on? Carrie paused. Do you know what? I'm going to record myself saying that and play it on repeat until I get some answers. She shook her head. Your parents had better be alive, Ricky. I swear to God, this had better not be like Psycho or some shit. Keep it down, they're upstairs, Ricky said, drawing up a wicker chair. It's fairly obvious what's going on, I'd have thought. The old girl tried to kill you, except you made a wish first. Ain't that lucky? He shot the scarred stranger a meaningful glance. Wonder who put that in your head. Carrie tried to piece the night together, furrowing her brow. She looked at the bulky humanoid figure. All right, let's say you are my... No, that's stupid. I can't believe I'm saying this. Let's say you are, Fairwood. Why didn't you stop her breaking in? Fairwood shrugged. I hid you. I shouldn't be like this. I don't know why I'm like this. He looked at the scarred arms and hands. I'm condensed. My rooms, my... I'm collapsed in on myself. How did this happen? All right, I admit it, I confess, Ricky said, raising his hands. I may have given your wish a little more juice. Got her over the line, so to speak. But in fairness to the well, you did only throw in a fiver. He looked the figure up and down and whistled. Course, she's come out looking like the last bloke, hasn't she? Too big to be his double, though. He chuckled to himself, or possibly at himself, it was hard to tell. She? The house, I mean. Everything's a she down here except in a tomcat and she's a he. He grinned. Carrie ignored him, focusing on the phrase nagging at her memory. Over the line. She remembered the white pebbles in the grass, an unlikely thing to find in the woods. If I hadn't crossed the pebbles, Carrie said slowly, what did you call them? Wishing stones. Would it have... She struggled with a word. Manifested, Fairwood suggested, trying to be helpful. Ricky gave a short bark of laughter. For a five-pound note? Nah, not a chance. What the hell have you been dreaming about? Gets inside your head, don't she, old Fairwood House? Great, I can't even afford my own wishes. Fairwood gave her a strange look out of the shadows, blending in with a peeling, mouldy wallpaper. You should dredge the well. It... He? She? They? Said in a deeper, scratchier version of her own voice. Why? Carrie shivered, wrapping her arms around herself. What else is down there? By the family's count, about £10,000 worth of old wishes, Fairwood said. In old money. I can't swear to the price of the antiques. Carrie stared at him. Whoa, wait, what? Isn't that what they call a treasure trove? What kind of antiques? Oh, now you believe you're talking to your own house. Ricky looked from one to the other. That didn't take long. I'm broke, Carrie snapped. I can't afford to live here. I can't... Shut up, Mr Porter. Her neighbour blinked. I saved your life, you know. My house saved my life, Carrie pointed out. 
This isn't even happening anyway. It's a nightmare, some kind of fucked up dream. The smell of the cottage hit the back of her throat. Ugh, God. Some kind of lucid, rancid, rotten dream. The candlelight flickered in the space between them, Ricky staring at her in complete surprise, as if he hadn't expected her to speak to him like that. Carrie broke eye contact first, turning her attention back to the building in human form. So, can I really afford to keep it? You. I can dredge up the memories and do an inventory. Fairwood's bright grey gaze held hers. It was too good to be true that people have already nicked it. Fairwood's eyes twinkled in the lantern light. Not a chance. It's too deep down. You need to dig it out. It paused, examining its arms, how they bent in the middle. Or I could, I suppose. Stay out of my head! Carrie slapped her hands over her ears, rocking forwards. Don't do that! This, this is too weird. Don't. Fairwood retreated back against the wall of the cottage, abashed. Sorry. Aw, look at him, Ricky exclaimed, like kicking a big concrete puppy. There's no concrete in Fairwood House, Carrie and Fairwood snapped in one voice. Ricky balked. Bloody hell, all right, calm down. Well, congratulations, Mistress Rickard, your dreams have come true and now you can skip off into the sunset and take it home to meet the parents. Not that I can talk, you understand. Our lot like to keep it in the family so much, I'm lucky I only got away with an extra mouth. What? What? Ricky returned with a swift, sugary innocence, leaning back in his seat. I said, congrats on the new guardian angel and the big pile of cash. And the dead old woman. We're going to have to do something about her, by the way. Carrie stared at the shadowy space in the hood, trying to make out his expression, but failed. She settled for answers to her other questions. Is she really a... wait... Werewolves, they're real. Ricky sniffed and hawked, spitting phlegm on the floorboards. Real enough. Anyway, not to worry. Knew she wouldn't get you. Saw it in the entrails. Carrie blinked. Saw it in the entrails? Ricky cupped a hand behind his ear. Is there an echo in here? Yeah. Entrails. Omens are all good. I'm a soothsayer. A soothsayer. There it is again. Ricky shook his head, dislodging the hood a little. Something flicked around his cheek, thin and pinkish-brown. Carrie couldn't tell if it was a tongue or a tentacle or just her imagination. He reached over to the stained table for a small bag and shook it at her. Bones, too. I do a good line in bone readings. Want me to say your sooth? You think you're funny, don't you? Who, me? Nah, told you I'm a serious man. What'll it cost me? Carrie was catching on to the way Ricky operated. He shook his head. Nah, first one's free, like smack. He snorted. Go on, have a quick read. Before Carrie could say anything, her phone lit up. Mercy was calling. She answered with relief. Mez, I'm okay. Mercy sounded close to tears. Oh, thank God, where are you? The gate's locked. Bramble Cottage? Carrie shot a glance at her hooded host. Um, with Ricky Porter. Shit! Mercy was horrified. Don't eat or drink anything. Ricky bounded to his feet and swiped the phone from Carrie's hand. You got a motor? Mercy went quiet. Oi, I said you got a car. Only there's a corpse here that needs disposing of. Not your mates. Mind the jaws, though. They'll still give you a nasty bite post-mortem. Cheers, sweetheart. He hung up on her and tossed the phone back, glowering. Carrie set her jaw. None wrong with the victuals in this house. Ricky muttered. I ain't going to poison you. Why would I? 
You know what a soothsayer does, don't you? Tells the fucking truth. Why would Mrs Varney try to kill me? Carrie retorted. I never met her until the other night. What have I done to her? Ricky mooched back to his chair in a sulk. Lots of secrets in that house. Ask it. Go on. Plenty of people want you out of there, I'd say. Carrie put her head in her hands. I'm going mad, aren't I? This isn't real. This can't be happening. She rubbed her face, gritty dirt on her hands, sandpapering her cheeks. It certainly felt real. Wishes come true. Werewolves are real. You're some kind of magician. Soothsayer. Right. Carrie pinched the bridge of her nose. So what was that bat you mentioned earlier? A vampire? Nah, just a bat. She huddled over her knees, head in her hands. He leaned forwards, watching her. Come on, Caroline, get it together, love. We've got a body out there. Let's not get on the copper's radar just yet, shall we? I can't say I want them round again. Why? Carrie asked, hugging herself. She attempted humour, but was only half-joking. Who's under the floor? Ricky fidgeted, managing to look both hurt and shifty. Why, what have you heard? Headlights streamed into view, flooding the front of the cottage with their brilliant glare as a car screeched to a halt. Ho, oh, heads up, boys. Cavalry's here, Ricky remarked with dripping sarcasm, bouncing off the chair to fling the door open. He tweaked the hood further over his head. This way, roll up, roll up, all the fun of the ghost train. He waved his arms, indicating the body lying outside the garden wall. Jazz and Mercy burst out of their car, scrambling through the trees to the cottage. Carrie! Mercy screeched, skidding to a halt. Mr Porter, where is she? I'm here, I'm fine. Carrie came outside to join them, a motion for Fairwood to stay behind her, hidden behind the door. I think I killed a werewolf. Ricky Porter gave a strange, childlike giggle. Mercy narrowed her eyes. Carrie? She didn't kill anything, Ricky said, gulping down his mirth. Her house did. Jazz, who had evidently seen a lot of strange things in his time, stood slack-jawed with his eyes flicking from Ricky to Carrie. He reverted to pragmatism. Is she dead or not? Oh, she's dead, Ricky assured him, snorting. Antique silver blade for hand dead. Right then. Jazz swallowed and turned back to the car. I don't know what that means, so I'll get the dust sheets and a shovel. Mercy ran forward to give Carrie a hug, but trod on the tin can and fell headlong into her. I'm so glad you're okay, Mercy gasped, wide-eyed, squeezing her around the waist. I thought you were going to die. Thanks. Carrie couldn't handle being touched. She pushed Mercy away, skin crawling. The nettle rash still burned. Mercy raked the messy waves of her rainbow bob. Your house killed her? Not exactly. Carrie beckoned Fairwood forward, wincing. Um, I made a wish. A wish? What, like, that it would protect... Oh, my good God above, what is that? Mercy backed off as Fairwood ducked out of the cottage and Ricky's hard, hysterical giggle made Carrie flinch. The upstairs window lifted up a crack. A sibilant voice drifted out, accompanied by the faint smell of mothballs and sickly sweet decay. Richard! Richard! What's going on down there? Your father has the hot chills. He needs his rest. It's all right, Mum, Ricky called up, getting control of himself. Go out to bed. Everything's fine. The window juddered back down. Keep it down, ladies, Ricky instructed, jerking the edges of his hood. The old man's trying to sleep. Is your dad ill? Carrie glanced up at the window. Is there anything we can do? Mercy stared at her. 
Ricky looked at Mercy. She's serious, ain't she? Mercy nodded, struck dumb. Ricky scratched his chin. That's sweet. No, don't you worry about it, neighbour. Let's get back to introducing your friend to your house. It's a better laugh. Surrounded by so many humans, or what Carrie assumed were humans, the house seemed to make up its mind about its appearance. The scars stayed the same, but the surface of what passed for skin stippled like brickwork, smoothed into pinewood tones. Jazz had returned from rummaging in the car boot and was inspecting the body. He had found a metal medical bracelet on her wrist. Janet Varney, second pack. Shit, she's DNR. We've got to cut her head off. Cut her head off? Carrie didn't think the night could get any worse, or any weirder. Doesn't DNR mean do not resuscitate? Why, if we, if we don't, she'll rise? Trust me, the only thing worse than a werewolf trying to kill you while they're alive is one trying to kill you after they're dead. Werewolf zombies are the absolute worst. Don't put in the ground what you don't want to grow. The shovel bit down and finished the job. Mrs Varney's jaws snapped shut. You've done that before, Ricky commented, and Jazz gave him a wry smile. Comes with the territory, I found. Carrie had had enough. OK, I want to go home now. Fairwood stepped forwards, crushing the can underfoot. Mercy shuffled uncomfortably, thrusting her hands into her dressing gown pockets. All right, look, let's let's go. I'll put the kettle on and we'll talk, okay? And we can clear up all the mess. Let's let's leave them to sort this out, shall we? Not me. Ricky shook his hooded head, looking uncomfortable around so many people. Nada, my bit for tonight. He nodded at the house's manifestation. Don't you forget that, neither. He strolled back into the cottage, leaving them in the deathly quiet of the woods. The door closed behind him. I need a torch here, guys, Jazz called. Babe, I gave you the torch. Mercy dug it out of her dressing gown pocket and handed it over. And a hand would be nice. Carrie quickly learned there was nothing like disposing of a body to bind relative strangers. Jazz explained that mindless resurrections, which seemed a weird qualifier, now only happened at certain times of the year, thanks to the rituals performed in the town but they had to wait for the full moon before all risings could be limited to the mortuary itself. Until then, the crematorium on the outskirts of the town was operating at all hours. Jazz called ahead and drove off with the body in the boot, while Mercy led Carrie back to the crows, its personification in tow. I'll help, Mercy said, and Carrie didn't protest. It was going to be a long night. Well, thank you for listening and if you've got any questions feel free to drop me a line on facebook twitter instagram or my website cmrosens.com and just ask me something and i will do a bonus content doing q a if you'd like um i'll be doing some bonus content on 
um as i said before things that i've cut from the crows that was a really good question that i was asked once so i might kind of reprise that in more detail um i want to do something on the way i wrote it um things that don't translate into reading it aloud very well um because i've deliberately done things on the page that i'm not actually sure how i'm gonna do in like how i'm gonna vocalize that because i deliberately did it to look a particular way um so yeah so i'll be kind of when we get to that part i'll be discussing um the challenges of of translating it to audio um as i said i'm literally just doing this in my living room i don't know what i'm talking about so <laughs> i'm sure like someone would be able to tell me a really good way of doing it but yeah i don't know um, anyway, I hope you're enjoying it and um, there'll be some more bonus content coming soon. Thank you for listening.